Well, it is a special day for so many different reasons here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Barsh. Good to have you along for the ride today. It is Wednesday, so it's Everyone Wins Day, 800-227-5278. We do have a great prize, actually two of them, to give away as the main attractions here on the program. If you like The Chosen, that outstanding uh, television series that is entering season three, they've just, uh, I finished, I believe, uh, recording uh, the shooting, as they say in the film business. The, uh, the, the first episode of season three of The Chosen. Um, we've got a special treat for you coming up on today's program. You know, Dallas Jenkins is the creator of The Chosen. Jerry B. Jenkins, his dad, isn't a half bad writer in his own right. I mean, he's only written 200 books and had 20 New York Times bestsellers and sold 72 million copies of his work. Anyway, Jerry's going to join me in segment number two uh, to talk about The Chosen and what it's like to script these novels. Uh, just like he did with Left Behind and how lightning struck twice and the uh, Jenkins family, uh, literally about 27 years apart. Um, also, today is the 53rd anniversary of that uh, famous step, you know, the, the one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins uh, landing on the moon. And if you believe that they landed on the moon, which I do, I mean, did you watch it? I mean, we'll we'll open the phone lines later in the broadcast and give you a chance to weigh in on what you thought of that and how it changed the world, uh, the way we uh, you know engage in culture and things of that nature. But we start today with another event that happened yesterday. I'm only chuckling because I, I it, it it's kind of sad. I was listening to Steve Gregg in Q here. Uh, Steve airs on uh, KBRT, our flagship affiliate for the Bottom Line Show, right before. Um, the bottom line airs, and for our listeners in Denver, uh, KLTT, we have uh, bottom line 2.30 to 3. We've got uh, Mountain Time, uh, Narrow Path 4 to 4.30, and then Dr. Dobson's Family Talk 4.30 to 5 uh, in Colorado there. And so Steve and I are always kind of piggybacking with each other. As a matter of fact, we haven't had Steve on the program in a while. We did, Do we need to do something about that? But he was entertaining a couple calls actually from our uh, home neck of the woods here, Riverside, California. And um, he made a comment about people embracing truth. And he just very matter-of-factly, as only Steve could say, he says, well, you know, Americans don't think much anymore. And it's really a shame because uh, you can't really know the truth if you don't think. And, and I, I just, I love Steve's simplicity. I love how he, um, you know, how he just, he, he's so basic, you know, straight ahead, right to the point, doesn't mince any words. But it was rather sad irony that he talked about the fact that a lot of Americans don't think anymore. And I'd like to think that the bottom line show is a place where we do think, where we do have dialogue, where we do take a look at issues. We do analysis, balance, and clarity segments all the time. And yet there is a segment of our population that honestly does not think. And for a case in point, uh, you know, it's funny when you think about different countries and when they split up, like North Korea, South Korea. We really do have thinking America and non-thinking America. And then there's kind of emotional America and non-emotional America. I'd like to think in that Venn diagram, the church would land somewhere where we're kind of getting the thoughtful process, but also the emotional process, the compassionate process, the empathetic process, but also the spiritual. But it just seems like so many people go into emotional mode or political mode or economic business mode, and they don't really operate as well people anymore. Case in point, the left's mount, meltdown over the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And the idea then that the 
the boogie monster named Clarence Thomas would start setting his sights on same-sex quote-unquote marriage. I was thinking about that bill we talked about yesterday, the uh, bill that's called the, uh, uh, the 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 Restore Marriage Amendment or whatever it's called, the, the Reformer instead of the Defensive Marriage. And basically what it does, unfortunately, is it makes a mockery of marriage because it says anything that's two people want to get together or eventually it'll be three people or four people or you know a teacher will marry her classroom full of students or and, and if you think i'm kidding look at what's happening in europe reported on this station before the fact there was a woman i don't know how many years ago who married a bridge remember that one she literally fell in love with this old medieval bridge and she had a wedding ceremony hired a photographer got a dress married the bridge for people who have pets i know this is going to be a sensitive one I'm going to tread very lightly on this one. I've recently been made aware of the term parents as opposed to parents. And we don't just talk about like our little fur babies and my dog is like a kid. There's a whole generation of people who are raising their dogs and cats like they are actually children and members of the family. Now, the dog obviously can have a very special place in your family. We had a basset down for 14 years. It was still, whenever I think of Boaz, the French basset down. Um, I th- very fond memories of what a special dog he was. And then he breathed his last and we buried him and never got another dog. I mean, I'm, it, he's a dog, right? But you see a lot of millennials and Gen Z and I'm concerned. I really am concerned that they don't have the discernment to distinguish between an animal who's like a part of the family. And, heck, you could even go to, uh, you could even go to second Samuel, look at the whole David and Bathsheba and, you know, Nathan, the whole thing, the U lamb who say, <laughs> was at the master's table and they treated her like she was part of the family. And then the evil guy next door comes over and takes the one lamb away and slaughters him. And you are the man, <laughs> the whole thing that, I mean, I get it, but you've got a, lot, a whole generation who don't fully understand that your children I mean, Dennis Prager asks this question all the time. If you had a child and a dog in your family and the child and the dog were in a boat with you and both of them fell out of the boat, God forbid, and neither one of them could really swim, which would you rescue first? And he asks his listeners that question all the time. And it's amazing how many people would say, well, my dog, of course. I mean, <laughs> I can't live without Fluffy or whatever. Well, add to the difficulty discerning the arrests, and I say that in air quotes, of two members of the House of Representatives yesterday protesting at the Supreme Court over the overturning of Roe versus Wade. The, uh, you've heard of this group of women who are on the left, they call themselves the squad, quote unquote. They were uh, women of ethnic origin who came to the House, what, uh, four years ago, and boy, we're gonna shake things up. We're gonna you know turn the country on its ear and including uh, included in that group are uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. And they were at a staged event knowing full well that they had already voted on this uh, restoring marriage and protecting anybody who says has a marriage license to have marital privileges. And then they decided to form a little uh, protest in front of the Supreme Court. The protests, by the way, in front of Justice Kavanaugh's home are still going on, and they've gotten so obnoxious. Even some of the pro-abortion people who live on Brett Kavanaugh Street are now asking the protesters who don't live in that area to go home. One woman basically had written some 
something on the sidewalk in front of her house, you know, about how she supports Roe versus Wade, et cetera, et cetera. But even, she's leading the charge saying, if you don't live in this neighborhood, stop hassling my kids. We have to eat dinner out every night because you're so noisy and so obnoxious and we just want you to go away. Well, another Democrat protest in front of the Supreme Court yesterday. Uh, shame on the Supreme Court for stripping fundamental rights away from women. And maybe you saw the images of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar being, quote unquote, arrested yesterday. If you notice, first of all, they aren't being arrested. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, they, <laughs> Capitol Police came by and just moved them out of the way. But as they were taking them away, both women put their hands behind their backs as if they had been handcuffed. But as they were walking off the street, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez raised her right fist in solidarity with everybody who was out here, which is an amazing trick to do if you are handcuffed with your hands behind your back. A closer look, thank you, Twitter and social media, uh, indicated that both women placed their hands behind their backs voluntarily, but they were being escorted by Capitol Police out of the way. They weren't actually arrested. But how many people who support these two women think that because they saw the pictures and they read the headlines, that that's the real truth. And I put this to you, not sarcastically, but literally this is the world that we're living in right now. Because we're living in this world and it is rather dangerous that there is a lack of thought, thank the Lord for the television phenomenon called The Chosen. Dallas Jenkins and Company, the most successful crowdsourced, crowdfunded online event to happen in television history. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be about the life of Jesus Christ. Dallas Jenkins comes from a pretty good line of writers, storytellers, and men and women who are committed to their Christian faith. As a matter of fact, his dad, Jerry B. Jenkins, hasn't had a bad career either with the Left Behind series, autobiographies of great pers Christian personalities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Jerry B. Jenkins has now has the wonderful responsibility of working on The Chosen as the guy who's taking what you see on the screen and putting it into novel form. He's already written one novel about The Chosen. Uh, book number two is just now out, and it's difficult to come by. We've got two of them, two of these copies to give away today here on Everyone Wednesday. Jerry Jenkins joins me next to talk about season three, to talk about his career and the similarities between what happened with Jerry and the Left Behind series and what's happening with Dallas and the Chosen series. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. Real estate broker Brian Edgel is the smart choice when it comes to finding someone to list and sell your home. He will get you the top dollar for your home, ensuring the fair and timely sale of your most important asset. The most expensive part of selling your home is the commission you pay to your broker. With Brian Edgel, you pay only 2.9% total commission. Right now, there are more buyers than sellers on the market, which puts you at an advantage. Get the most money out of your property now while the market is in your favor. Brian negotiates with buyers for you, using his experience as a broker, not an agent, to get you the highest price and the most advantageous terms possible. Make the smart choice. Sell your home with real estate broker Brian Edgel for only 2.9% total commission. Call Brian today at 800-969-3992. That's 800-969-3992. Or go to smartchoicehomeseller.com. Brian Edgel, DRE 01391126, NMLS 1599100.
Well, home prices are starting to come back down to earth and it costs a little bit more to get the money you need to get a mortgage on a home, but that shouldn't keep you from exploring the market to list your home, to sell it. You know, a lot of people are still paying cash too. Brian Edgel has all the answers to your questions about the current home market right now. Learn more when you go to smartchoicehomeseller.com. Well, fans of The Chosen are going to be thrilled with this next segment here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh because we have Dallas Jenkins' dad with us today here on The Bottom Line. Now, a generation ago, maybe five, ten years ago, and even here on The Bottom Line Show, I've introduced him as best-selling author Jerry B. Jenkins. But now, I mean, well, it's kind of neck and neck, isn't it, Jerry, in terms of who is the most popular in the Jenkins household? And welcome back to The Bottom Line Show, by the way. Thanks for having me. And I wish it was neck and neck. Um, the Chosen <laughs> has blown past me. By far, uh, the chosen, you know, believe it or not, it's been 27 years next month since the first Left Behind book came out. Wow. Now, it's still selling to this day, which is hmm. a phenomenon, but uh, it's sold in the low 60 millions, which is, mm-hmm. you know, an incredible phenomenon. phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But uh, the chosen uh, TV series that my son created has been seen over 400 million times now. Wow. Yeah. That's so exciting. I mean, it's, it's, it's a thrill to think of how God has used him and that ministry. Just, you know, when five years ago, he and I were having a conversation about the resurrection of Gavin Stone. And next thing you know, that you know, kind of put him in that whole different trajectory to set him up for that. Uh, you have been tasked with, I mean, people know that this is a guy who wrote novels about the book of Revelation. The Chosen shouldn't be too difficult for him. And you've written a couple of them now. We're talking about the second one, The Chosen, Come and See. Talk about what it's like for you to move in this direction. You know, it's one thing when you're taking the word of God literally off the pages and you're writing, but now you've got not only God's word as the guide, but also a very popular television program that people are emotionally invested in. So you kind of have to work with those characters rather than having the freedom as a writer to create them yourself. Talk about the challenges that you face with that. Well, it really makes it easier. I mean, the Dallas, okay. Dallas and his co-writers have, have done the sequencing and, and they've written the, the stories. And they've imagined these characters, not just from what we know about them in scripture, but from what we can surmise. And that's that's the beauty of this. It, it adds so much authenticity for them to say, all right, here's the story that we know is from the Bible. Here's what may have led up to it. And, and they make it make sense. They're, you know, we're, we're lovers of scripture mm-hmm. and lovers of Christ, so we don't want to do any you know, damage to the truth. Right. Um, but I think it's okay for us to, to imagine what these, these things could have looked like. And it, it appears that viewers and readers have given us the, the freedom and the poetic license to say, you know, we aren't saying this is scripture, this part of it, but it could have happened this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm watching every episode uh, more than 20 times, and I don't get tired of one scene ever, and they all move me emotionally. And of course, I'm proud to death of my son, mm-hmm. um, but it's great fun to have that sequencing. And then I'm, I get to add even more inner monologue, the reactions, responses of these characters, and, and imagine what takes them even to the point of what the, what we, we see on the screen. So it's been great fun. Jerry B. Jenkins is my guest today here on the Bottom Line, and I did I don't want to run past this too quickly. He's the author of more than two hundred books. Twenty one of them are New York Times bestsellers. Uh, he mentioned the Left Behind series uh, with sixty plus million in print and have been sold. You're talking over seventy two million books uh, that have been sold uh, collectively, and uh, we're talking about the newest one that he's been working on right now, which is The Chosen. Come and see. It's book number two in the Chosen novel series, and we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You mentioned that 
that inner monologue, that kind of inner dialogue that the characters are having, and also knowing that it's been aired on uh, in a te television format, you've also got now the idea that the viewer has also had a chance to kind of create their own version as well. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the first novel in terms of people saying, oh, thank you for fleshing that out or, you know, kind of helping fill in some of the gaps or, hey, wait a minute, that's not the way it's supposed to be because this is the way it is in my mind at heart. Yeah, it's been really gratifying because people are, are catching things in the novels that they missed on screen mm -hmm. or that they didn't understand on screen and they can take their time and, and uh, walk through that. Um, you always get the other side where people say, how dare you, you know, add anything to, or take anything away from scripture. Right. As I said, we're lovers of scripture. We believe right. the Bible is the word of God. And we, our whole point is to say, this does not replace this is to, to spur your imagination and to get you back into the Bible and say, where might that have come from? And yeah, there are things you're going to see in these stories that do not appear in Scripture because we're speculating. But if you read Scripture, you're going to say, I can see why they would come to that. And um, we just saw something the other day on, on one of the behind the scenes thing for, for The Chosen where the, the woman, the black woman who helped her friend, you know, lower him down into the mm. you know, roof of the house to be healed. Mm. That's, that's not in scripture, but, but there was a response from a black woman who said, I have never considered seeing somebody who looks like me be part of this story. Mm. She said, that just was so wonderful to see that. And why not? It could have, could have happened that way. Right. Uh, we know that it was his friends who did it. We don't know who those friends were. So we're, we're speculating on who they might've been. I think it's wonderful when you provide that kind of uh, a background for people, because it is amazing to see how many people have gone into their own little tribal, uh, you know, uh, denominationals, if you will, to just kind of find some kind of semblance of order and try to make sense of the gospel. And when you show what a melting pot it was in Jesus day, how many different people of different ethnicities and backgrounds were around there and following him, because it, it didn't say Jesus came and there were only Jewish people following him around. So they all looked like this, you know, but the fact that there were people who were saying, look, where's the miracle worker? This is the guy we want to see. That, that's a very, very encouraging note that you've received, and I'm glad you shared that with us. Jerry B. Jenkins with me today here on The Bottom Line. The new book is called The Chosen, Come and See. It's book number two in the novel series about The Chosen, which is the largest crowdfunded project ever. I mean, but, but bar none, whether it's television, movie, whatever it was. You've been around this industry for a while, and I know that some of your work has been brought to the big screen. I think the Left Behind series has uh, gone through two or three different iterations. But now here we are in 2022, and this really sent a message to Hollywood, I would imagine. Talk about what this was like to see, you know, knowing the literary side, watching your son with the television and the, and the movie side. And now this is it's a lot different than what we saw maybe 10, 15 years ago where, you know, uh, the, the, the Kendrick brothers made a movie and people went and bought tickets and that was it. This is a whole different ballgame with The Chosen, isn't it? It really is. And um, it's a revolutionary idea of when the people at The Chosen decided, we just want to make this free so everybody can see it. And, you know, this is a risk because if people don't help pay it forward or buy them the, the gifts that go along with it and that type of thing, uh, it's not going to happen. But right. when Dallas put that pilot out of the, the shepherd, it was a Christmas, little Christmas movie he had done for his church and said, this is what I'd like to do in a TV show. His partner said, well, let's, let's see if we can crowdfund it. And he thought, I hate to ask for money. I, I don't want donations. This would be investments. If you want to invest and if it makes anything, we'll pay him back. Uh, but he said, I, I don't know if we'll get a thousand dollars and mm. 19,000 people contributed over $10 million for just Incredible. 
on the basis of that pilot. And, and of course, Hollywood sees this and there's, they're like, you know, this, this is a new model. And so we, you see a lot of people saying, okay, we're going to try this. The difference is you have to start with a really high quality piece. Yes. You can't just say, here's our idea. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You put that, that actual show out there and people could see the, the value and see the potential. And that's what made the difference. So you don't just throw it out there and, and crowdfund it. It has to be really high quality. Jerry B. Jenkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He is the dad of Dallas Jenkins, who's the creator of The Chosen, uh, the most popular uh, television program about the life of Christ in the history of t- TV. And it's I, I can't even really call it TV, Jerry, because, I mean, with the downloads and the streaming world and everything, there's so many different platforms. Whenever I think of TV, I think of, you know, our generation sitting down on, you know, Sunday night at 8 p.m. and saying, hey, it's time to watch The Chosen. But now there are those release points, you know, where they say it's available on demand and and everybody flocks and they get tons of downloads. And it's really incredible. What's it like with the, the print model for you? Because, I mean, you're talking bound books. I mean, traditional, this is this is your world. You're a writer. This is what you do. Um, how does the production cycle, uh, how does it work with your writing style, knowing that now you've got these episodes in the can, you've written a couple of novels, and from what I understand, season three is already in production for filming, and they're kind of looking at you saying, yeah, and we would really love to have the novel ready <laughs> right in time yeah. for the release of season three. Talk about what that does for you as a, as a writer. Yeah, that's the pressure. And of course, the, this whole business of the supply chain now is a problem because mm. um, I, I got the book for season two done, um, you know, quite a while ago, and it took a long time to to get that printed and bound and shipped. Um, and it was really frustrating. I kept thinking, you know, here it is, people are waiting because they waited for, for season two to appear um, or for, and now for season three to appear. So there's a hunger out there. Um, you know, it, as I've said, it makes it easier for me to write because I've got the sequence and the characters and you know the whole story. But uh, it, it's been frustrating to try to, to get this thing out. And uh, that's why I'm writing season three, uh, the, the novel for season three, based on the scripts I have. Well, they're, they've only really finished um, the first episode and, and that's not even locked. It's just, you know, it's the rough cut. Uh, so I'm not seeing these videos while I'm writing the way I did with, with the first two. Um, it does give me lots of freedom. I just hope it really matches up with what they show on the screen. <laughs> yes, totally a leap of faith, or at least a step of faith. Uh, the Chosen, Come and See. We've got a link for that novel up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we'll be giving away a couple of those precious commodities at the end of our conversation. We'll take a quick break, and when we continue, I'm uh, going to ask Jerry Jenkins to kind of dip back into the into the well, if you will, uh, the, the, the recesses of his storied career and do a little, uh, you know, pre-forecasting, maybe a little pre-pooling in terms of what the world looks like now in terms of ministry and media and what it looked like when he was first starting out and how, uh, how much of what God showed him back then has actually come to fruition. Award-winning author Jerry B. Jenkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. More of our conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Here at K-Bright, we are proud to recommend Stephanie and Jim Cover of Cover Law because they take such good care of their clients. I was coming home. It was like two days before Christmas. And I was sitting at the bottom of a hill and somebody just came smashing into me. Like they didn't even break or anything. They were coming down a steep hill. The people that hit me had no insurance, no license, no proof of anything. I had a lot going on in my life at the, at the time. I was busy at work. I was doing a lot of overtime. My husband came down with cancer. That was really a hard point in my life for my husband and I. 
she was by my side trying to help me through the accident and giving me personal support and telling me to keep the faith. And I was all ready, like to, you know, throw in the towel. And she, she just kept me going. They're just hardworking people. They know their stuff. They're very educated. They make you feel comfortable. They stick with you all the way. I used them as attorneys. Now they're friends. And once in a while, I tease them. Do I need to get in trouble so I could retain you guys? <laughs> I'd do anything to help those guys. I highly recommend them. I mean, I haven't had need for an attorney before, and I fell into the right hands. In the event of an accident, call Cover Law right away, 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Jerry B. Jenkins, my guest today here on the program, and we're talking about The Chosen, Come and See, book two in The Chosen series. That one's actually done. And you heard Jerry in our opening segment talk about the supply chain issues that they've been dealing with and the fact that uh, these novels of The Chosen – uh, they had a hard time getting them just printed and you know, bound up and sent to where they need to go because so many people want to read the book. Well, I'm just going to let you in a little something since you're listening to the first half of the program here and we joined the whole network up and at the bottom of the hour, we have two copies of The Chosen uh, Come and See to give away. And if you'd like to get in, it's Everyone Wednesday today here on the Bottom Line Show, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 get you through to the bottom line. Now, when you call, Teresa will take your information, and everyone's, everyone's going to win something. I guarantee you, you're going to win. But two of the people who call in today are going to win copies of The Chosen, Come and See, the second novel in the Chosen novel series written by Jerry B. Jenkins for the television series that was created by his son, Dallas Jenkins. So if you'd like to get in on that giveaway, uh, give us a call right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I, I think about uh, what Jerry has seen in his lifetime. I remember it. I was thinking about a story here before we get back into the conversation. Um, I was at the Christian booksellers convention in Orlando, Florida, and we were in the noisiest part. It's a bad convention center for that type of stuff. We, all the rooms, uh, if you close the doors, they weren't necessarily, we were kind of this industrial area and the doors would, they would close, they'd stay closed. But as soon as the air conditioning turned on and you're in Florida in July, so you need air conditioning. Um, whenever they would turn on, you could hear the hum of the machine and the doors would rattle. So you had to go through and put like three by five cards or notebook paper in the door jams to keep the doors from rattling. So I having some great conversation with people like Chuck Colson and my, my second or third time meeting Jerry B. Jenkins and Tim LaHaye as they were working on the Left Behind series. And as we were having the conversation, um, one of their assistants came in and handed them a fax. Remember facsimiles? a fax that had the deal for the making of the movie Left Behind. And it turned out that they were hoping to deal with an actual production company. There were a couple of Christian companies that wanted to just make direct-to-video and didn't want to go to the big screen. And Tim and Jerry were adamant. They wanted this thing to go to the big screen. Well, it wound up not just yet, but nonetheless. Uh, more of my conversation with Jerry B. Jenkins in just a moment. The Chosen, coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
Jerry B. Jenkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. If you missed the first part of our conversation, remember, we're doing video and audio here, so you can watch our dialogue here at myhopenow.com. Jerry's much better, more camera friendly than I am, that's for sure. But I'm I'm putting up with this because this is the new platform, right? Everybody has to do video and audio and that type of stuff. But uh, Jerry Jenkins, of course, the award-winning author of more than 200 books, including 21 New York Times bestsellers, and now has kind of moved to the transition world of, you know, being that. Uh, the, the recognizable media figure in the family to kind of becoming moving from the Dallas Jenkins to say, oh, yeah, Jerry Jenkins is my dad. Now it's the other way around. Jerry B. Jenkins is Dallas Jenkins's father. You know, and, and it's 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 such a, an interesting legacy. When Left Behind started to take off, I had a chance to meet you and Dr. LaHaye. I think when the first one had come out, we were like at a, uh, a Christian bookseller convention or something like that. And, uh, and had a conversation. And I remember you kind of looking a little uh, bewildered at the fact that it started out as, well, let's do a novel about Revelation, which became how many books and millions of copies. And it really just became a huge phenomenon. But now here we are 20, 30 years later, and your son is with hundreds of millions of downloads and views and subscribers and dollars raised. And, and, and do you get the sense that it's deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say? Yeah, it's really hard to believe. I mean, everybody knows that the left behind phenomenon was a once in a lifetime thing for any right. author. And uh, I know many writers who are you know, better writers than I am and, and very successful, but nothing close to those kind of uh, figures. And, um, and so for, da for Dallas to see this happen, you know, uh, 27 years since since left behind and virtually at the same age I was when when left behind hit, huh. I was able to say to Dallas, one of the best bits of advice that Dr. LaHaye gave me was he said, let's be sure we let the phenomenon take care of itself. Don't become enamored with the success, the visibility, the means, all the stuff that comes with it, which has been fun. We need to stick with what we are doing, what we did to get here. Right. And uh, I can remember when the, when the first three titles of Left Behind series totaled 1 million copies in sales. That's incredible. And the publisher, Tyndale House, sent me a framed copy of the three covers with a little plaque that said a million sales. And I remember thinking I was pretty impressed with myself. I kind of was thinking I've really kind of pulled off something here, mm -hmm. a million sales, you know. And then the next call I get from Tyndale, they said, check Amazon on the sales of book four. And I said, well, book four hasn't released yet, right? It's we're two weeks away. And they said, just check Amazon. I checked it. It was number one on Amazon two weeks before it released. Wow! And and that had a really unusual impact on me. It it mm -hmm. just humbled me to my to to my toes. Okay. I thought I can't take one bit of credit for this. is clearly a God thing. Mm -hmm. I need to just hang on for dear life. And as Dr. LaHaye said, stick with the knitting. You know, we just do what mm -hmm. we do, mm -hmm. and uh, the phenomenon will take care of itself. And I think that's been good counsel for Dallas too. And, and I'm glad that these these things have happened to ha, happened to us in our mid 40s instead of maybe our mid 20s when it might have turned our heads. Yeah, that's that's great counsel from Jerry B. Jenkins today here on the bottom line as we're talking about the new novel that he's working on now, kind of running alongside his son Dallas Jenkins with the Chosen, uh, the second novel, The Chosen Come and See, is up at thebottomlineshow.com and he's working on book three right now. Not to worry if you're a Chosen fan and you are following and see that Chosen three uh, season three is actually in production right now. Uh, the novel will be ready to go as soon as that uh, uh, that uh, series of episodes for season number three drops, as they say. Uh, 
what a, an incredible journey it's been for Jerry Jenkins, especially starting out as a sports writer of all things. And I remember you're really enjoying the biographies that you wrote of, uh, you know, the athletes, Singletary, Royal Horsheiser, that type of thing. What was it like for t- teenage Jerry B. Jenkins to, to start out down this path when there wasn't all of this, you know, around us, you know, to lure you into it? It was just, you know, God saying, this is where I want you to go. Yeah, it's really, it was interesting. Um, I, I wanted to be a sports writer when I was very young. My mother taught me to read before kindergarten. And, and uh, the big deal in our family was that in first grade, I was reading at a fourth grade level. Uh-huh. And my, my kids now tease me that I still read at a fourth grade level. <laughs> but uh, I, I would play a game of uh, base, a dice baseball game at home. And w- when the game was over, I would write it up as if I was writing for a, for a newspaper. Mm, so when it. I was 14, I went to the sports editor of a, of a local daily and I said, I asked him how he was fixed for sports writers. And he said, why? And I said, because I am one. And so he gave me a chance to, to cover high school games. He didn't realize I was too young to even drive. My mother mm. was waiting in the parking lot for me to take me to these games. And, uh-huh. and he, he edited me, taught me and all that. But a couple of years after that, I was at, at a summer camp and I felt a definite call to full-time Christian work. And I thought, well, I guess I can't be a sports writer. Then I guess I have to give that up and study to be a pastor or a missionary. But a counselor that night said, don't be too quick to give up the writing because God often equips us before he calls us. Yes. And this may be the vehicle you use to fulfill that call. Well, that's proven true. And it's also changed my entire view of, of success as it relates to writing. Success to me is not bestsellers and big royalty checks and visibility, even though that's all come. Success to me is obeying the call. So when I write the book, it's no longer in my hands. I I can't make people buy it. I can't make reviewers enjoy it. I can't make those checks come in. That's all up to God in the marketplace. And it really takes the pressure off me. To me, success is obedience. You know, Jerry, you you mentioned something about that that I wanted to kind of circle back around to because it reminds me of something that I was working on a book with a, a co-authoring a book years ago in the youth ministry world, and I was it was the first time I'd ever done it, and then I got into the editing stage and I found out who really writes the books, you know, and who really owns them, right? And it was funny because I was sharing with a friend of mine. I said, "This is just so wild because I the the guy I had was a great editor, but he was kind of a taskmaster. It took us longer to edit than to write it." And my colleague said, wow, I don't know if I could ever do that. I mean, that's my stuff. And I looked at him and said, no, it's not. It belongs to Thomas Nelson. I mean, that, that's literally what I said. But as you're describing this, the fact that you have always had this perspective, hey, this is God's work. This is God's ministry. And it's, it's probably very freeing. Is that, that one of the pieces of advice you share with younger writers who are coming up? And you know, I'm sure you get hit from a lot of people uh, you know, saying, I've got this great idea for a novel. And, and what do you think? What, what kinds of advice are you giving to younger writers these days? Now, I do teach writers online. I have a Jerry Jenkins Writers Guild at jerryjenkins.com, and I've got about 2,000 students. Wow. And basically what I tell them is uh, a good piece of writing is always a duet, not a solo. Hmm. Um, I'm still edited. I still work with editors now. I can't say that I've, I'm 100% successful in just surrendering this and saying, it's not mine, it's God's. Um, you know, I, I can get defensive and I can get protective of my work, and I usually have to give it 24 hours after I get my response from my editor and say, all right, he's on my side. We both want this to succeed. Yeah. If he wants a little more of this or a little less of that, that's what I do. And if there's something I want to stand up for, I'll, I'll argue my point and that type of thing. But uh, yeah, it, it is helpful to, to realize uh, nobody's singing solos here in the book business. Right. 
<laughs> I love that. And, and there are, there's kind of a mutual admiration among people. I mean, I realize you get into rarefied air when you start talking about 70 plus million copies of the book sold and now working with the most popular television series of all time and, and, and noveling there too, as well. Um, I know there's a name that gets dropped around your name a lot in terms of novelists who admire your work. Uh, Stephen King apparently is a fan of Drape Jenkins. Yeah, that, that was a surprise to me too. Um, he and I happened to have the same audio reader for many uh -huh. years. Uh -huh. And um, uh, this guy had a horrible motorcycle accident and, and eventually died from it. But um, he was the best in the business, won all the awards. And uh, I was, you know, this was during the time Left Behind was flush. And so I was able to send some uh, support to, to a, uh, a fund that was helping, you know, with his care. And I didn't realize Stephen King had anything to do with it until I got a call from him one day. My secretary said, Stephen King is on the line. And I thought, this is going to be Roger Marsh or this is going to be you know, <laughs> someone almost, pulling your leg. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, I almost picked up the phone and said, yeah, this is John Grisham, you know, but, <laughs> but uh, I just, uh, you know, just in case I said, this is Jerry. And he said, yeah, this is Steve King. And I thought only Stephen King would call himself Steve. Wow. And he said he was actually behind the fund. He, he used hmm. a different name for it because he didn't want people to know, uh -huh. but he said, um, we should go see um, Frank was the guy's name and in, in rehab and, and we should have a benefit for him and stuff like that. And as we shared, I said, I said, this may come as a surprise to you, but there's some of your stuff I actually like, like the Green Mile and some of the mm -hmm. other, not, not the most gory stuff, but you know, there's some, he's a brilliant writer, obviously. And he said, well, this may come as a surprise to you, but I'm a reader of yours. And I, <laughs> that was a surprise. Wow. He read my baseball novel. He's a big baseball fan. Mm -hmm. as I, And he'd also read Left Behind because Frank had sent it to him and said, I'm working with this guy on this mm. you know, crazy book. And uh, so we, we did visit um, uh, Frank Mahler in, in rehab. It's been many years now. But uh, Writer's Digest did a cover story on us as sort of strange bedfellows, the horror writer and the Christian writer and how mm -hmm. we kind of interact. And we keep in touch. I can't say we're best friends or anything, but um, we do read each other's stuff and, and uh, text and email back and forth occasionally. Wonderful. Nice to hear the, the camaraderie there and, uh, and, and the like spirit and see how God uses your work in the life of a guy like Stephen King, or you, you call him Steve now because you're your buddies. <laughs> but uh, uh, Jerry P. Jenkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the brand new novel about the, from The Chosen series, The Chosen, Come and See. Uh, book two is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're keeping Jerry from working on book three right now, so I don't want to take too much more of his time, but I did want to ask in our final moment together here, uh, what, what else is on the horizon? We know The Chosen is, is going to go on for quite some time, especially now that I understand they've got a, a new facility to work from that's going to give them a certain measure of uh, maybe a little ease to be able to shoot all of the uh, the Jesus scenes in Texas now instead of having to travel abroad. Um, what else do you have on the horizon, Jerry Jenkins? Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to do um, an update of my book, Hedges, Loving Your Marriage. Enough oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a 30-year-old book that's had several iterations, but Focus on the Family wants a, an update, and I'm, you know, that'll be on the, on the docket soon. And then I'm also doing a book with Mike Matheny, who's the manager of the, the yes. uh, Kansas City yeah. Royals. I did one with him when he was manager of the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was called the Matheny Manifesto. This one is going to be called the dad coach. It's about guys who are pressed into service, coaching their kids' teams. And he's an outstanding believer and, and uh, one of the most impressive athletes I've ever worked with, but that's wow. going to be a fun project too. Great. Well, we'll be looking forward to those. And I would imagine the one of them at least will be in time for spring training next year. If uh, deadlines are right and someone's got their marketing uh, calendar all set up right. perfectly. <laughs> and Jerry, Jerry Jenkins, jerrybjenkins.com is where we find you online. Right. 
Okay, good. We'll have that link up at the bottomlineshow.com as well. Jerry Jenkins, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a, a half hour here with Dallas's dad. It's always great to catch up and find out what's happening in your world. But uh, thank you and God bless you from all of us here at the Bottom Line Show. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Roger. Great to be with you. What a great conversation. And uh, yeah, it's very, very helpful when you got guys like Steve King recommending your work. Jerry P. Jenkins, that's jerryjenkins.com. Now is the website. They dropped the B for that. They'll take you right to information about what he's working on. And also the uh, Writers Guild as well, the former Christian Writers Guild, which is now the Jerry B. Jenkins Writers Guild as well. Speaking of writing, Jerry Jenkins has written two new novels. Uh, actually, he's written one on The Chosen, book one, and one on The Chosen, book two. And we have two copies of The Chosen Come and See, book two, uh, to give away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line show. Teresa's taking your calls. And remember, it's an Everyone Wednesday. So we have two copies of the book to give away. And sometimes we'll give away a copy or two. We get a few calls because people figure, oh, I didn't call right away, so I'm not going to win anything. Well, it's Wednesday, and Wednesday on the Bottom Line Show is Everyone Wednesday. So don't worry. <laughs> give us a call, and you're gonna, your name's going to go in the drawing. We will have two grand prize winners, if you will, for those chosen books. And the, the thing about the chosen is you heard Jerry B. Jenkins say, with supply chain slowdowns and things of that nature, these are not easy to get. So we are very, very fortunate to have them. 800-227-5278, uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. By investing in the Wilson Financial Services 4D or four-dimensional account, your investment is guaranteed against loss. It provides long-term care benefits, permanent income benefits, and inflation benefits all at the same time. You know, I had a client come in this morning, and the first thing he asked me was, tell me about 4D money. And I said, well, 4D money is a fun thing. It's exactly the opposite of what you have now with your one-dimensional account with Ameritrade. You've been watching that thing drop like a rock since the first of the year. You're probably fed up with it. I said, this account, number one, the money never goes down. Number two, it has inflation benefits. Number three, it has long-term care benefits. Number four, it has permanent income benefits. And so when you put all these things on the same page and show it to a client, it sounds too good to be true. And that was his comment to me. I said, well, you know me a long time. You know it's true. I don't make stuff up. So he met with Tess, and we moved his Ameritrade account in a matter of 30 minutes. Ask Dennis Wilson and his team at Wilson Financial Services to explain the four dimensions of their 4D account. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Jerry B. Jenkins, Dallas's dad. <laughs> He's the co-author of the Left Behind series, has sold 72 million books, but he's adding to that total right now, writing the novel versions of his son's television show which is The Chosen. You know The Chosen is one that uh, you probably have found very popular. I know every time we have any kind of giveaway uh, affiliated with The Chosen, the phones go crazy. So um, 800-227-5278. We have two copies of The Chosen, Come and See, uh, book two in the novel series about The Chosen. You heard Jerry B. Jenkins himself telling us that he's working on um, the series number three right now. They've got one of those in production, and they recently moved the Chosen's uh, kind of headquarters, if you will. They were shooting a lot of the things abroad. You know, oftentimes you see what is supposed to be, you know, Jerusalem or Bethlehem or whatever, and it actually turns out to be Milwaukee or, you know, <laughs> someplace like that. I was watching a, a shoot one time where they literally found a, a plot of land. It was a novel that took place in 
uh, a couple different continents and several different states. And they rented a huge farm type area that had a hill, had some lush greenery, big old farmhouse. And they would just reconfigure different parts of the set or the property to make it look like it was World War One or it, you know, England or something like that. And then they'd come back and it was South Carolina. So right now, The Chosen has relocated to Texas and they'll be doing most of their shooting there. But as far as the novels go, uh, book two, The Chosen, <laughs> come and see. Um, is uh, well, we've got the link up at the bottomlineshow.com. And as Jerry B. Jenkins mentioned to me in our early conversation, uh, it's not easy to get these books. So the fact that we have two of them to give away is a really big deal. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, it's Everyone Wednesday. And that means everyone who calls in is going to win something today, every single Wednesday. If you've had a tough week at work or gas prices are getting you down or whatever, and you'd like to have a little relief and wouldn't it be great to get something for nothing? Um, it doesn't mean these don't have any value. They have tremendous value, but it's everyone Wednesday. So everyone who calls in is going to get something. 800-227-5278. Came across a story here that I'd like to share with you because it kind of, I mean, when I read it initially, I thought, okay, that makes sense and good for you for winning your lawsuit. But the more I thought about it, I thought, wait a minute. Is winning the lawsuit the real issue here? A Christian factory worker in Scotland lost his job because he refused to stop wearing a cross. The worker, and I can't, I'll be honest with you, I do not, out of respect to the Russian language, I don't want to butcher his name. Uh, we'll call him Jerry. It looks like his name is Javengajis or something like that. But anyway, we'll call him Jerry, right? He was working for a company uh, called Two Sisters Food Group Limited in Scotland, in Copar uh, Angus. And he was working for the company for a while. They, they wholesale chickens and food processing, things like that. And he had a silver necklace that he liked to wear to work. Now, you may have heard stories like this before. There's a, a nurse who works in a hospice somewhere in London that wouldn't take off a cross pin or, or a teacher in an elementary school who had a cross earrings or something like that. And more and more, it's become more commonplace in secularized places like the United Kingdom to see workers kind of come under fire for the fact that uh, you know, they're, they're, they wanted to display their faith. Now, Jerry, our guy in question here, uh, says he was fired from the Two Sisters Food Group Limited because he's a member of a Russian Orthodox church. And he says this necklace has a deep significance to him spiritually. Uh, he was hired by the group in November of 2019. By the way, he is a legal immigrant to Scotland. He's uh, you know, still of Russian descent. He said the necklace that he wore had 30 links on it and he got the necklace when he had been asked to become a godparent and the russian orthodox church will sanctify pieces of jewelry like this and so uh his godchild was being baptized and over a 30-day period in prayer and anticipation for the child again i'm not super familiar with the russian orthodox church i'm just sharing with you what the defendant in this legal case actually wound up uh uh sharing and so the company, Two Sisters Food Group, uh, liked his work, 
They liked what he was doing. As a matter of fact, he started there in November of 2019 and was rather quickly promoted to a quality inspector. So he was he was doing well with the company. But then came the policy that said you're not allowed to wear this type of jewelry on the job. And so they said basically either you will <coughs> excuse me, you'll either comply or you'll be fired. Whoa, that's rather harsh. I mean, how's a guy go from being employee of the month and, uh, you know, starting on the, the line? Basically, from November 2019, he's promoted within a, uh, uh, a matter of two months. By January of 2020, now he says he's being bullied in the workplace. He had to meet with another manager to describe, you know, what was going on there. And he says he was being hassled. Um, eventually, the uh, next came up was the uh, issue of uh, the uh, the case going to legal issue. The uh, uh, the line manager in the case was uh, actually the one who was brought up in the trial, and the line manager said, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do?" I mean, she was kind of, according to one report, she was embarrassed that the issue was raised to her boss, but eventually they had to do what they considered a risk assessment. Because on the one hand, you've got the company saying, this is our policy, you can't wear the necklace. On the other hand, you've got uh, the employee now filing a claim saying, hey, I'm being hassled and harassed for doing this, what am I supposed to do? Well, eventually the company did do a risk assessment of what was happening here, what was at stake as far as whether this employee could continue to violate company policy or should they take his uh, bullying and harassment claim into consideration. Eventually, uh, the company ruled in favor of themselves, basically said, we have a policy, we have policy for a reason, either you will take off the necklace or you're out. So he refused, he was sent to HR, and he was informed that he would be terminated for not complying with the company instructions. Hence, he filed a lawsuit, and the lawsuit went all the way to a Scottish court, where he's now won $26,000 in what's being called a religious discrimination suit because he was fired for not taking off his cross. Now, if that were the whole sum total of the story, I would say, good for you, brother. I'm glad you did. Good for you. You stood up for your rights. You held on to it. But there's one piece in the puzzle here that's missing. Can you imagine what that is? We're going to open up the phone lines on the other side of this break and give you a chance to weigh in on this discussion. Because I think we've got a pretty interesting case here where you can make the case for religious discrimination or perhaps make the case for insubordination on the half on the part of a christian employee who says i'm not taking off my necklace even though it might put me in physical harm we'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line show on this everyone wednesday i'm roger marsh giving away a couple copies of jerry jenkins new novel on based on the chosen it's the chosen book two come and see we have two copies of this very rare novel to get a hold of 800-227-5278 and even if you don't win that novel everyone's going to win something 
And especially as we open up the phone lines for the call in now, uh, 800-227-5278. Please know that when you call in, you're going to win something as well. Um, that's the number to get through to the bottom line show, 800-227-5278. Take a look at the case of the worker in Scotland, our brother in Christ, who's a Russian immigrant, member of the Russian Orthodox Church, had a very special cross that he wore around his neck at a food processing group in Scotland, where he was hired in November, was quickly promoted to quality inspector, and then summarily fired because he wouldn't take off his necklace. He says it's religious discrimination, and he went to court, and he won. but. There's a catch. The company maintains that they have a policy against wearing dangly jewelry like this because in the production areas, it is potentially a risk. There's the possibility with all the machinery going around and flying everywhere and stuff like that, that the chain might get caught in one of the pieces of machinery and he wouldn't get out. As a matter of fact, the policy is for to allow one single plain wedding band, a ring, in the production area. And exceptions would be made for religious jewelry if they met the criteria that said it's not going to cause a health risk. So now that you know, he eventually took his, his case to court. He filed a religious discrimination suit against the company and he won. He got a $26,000 settlement in his favor. That's good news. But the question is, do you agree with the way he handled this situation? The company says the reason we wouldn't let him wear the cross is because it could have put his health at risk, which would put them at a greater exposure. He says the reason that they wouldn't let him wear the cross is because he's a Christian and they don't write like religious symbols on their jewelry. What do you think? 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line show. For our KCBC crowd, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, if you're leaving us now to go listen to Rabbi Schneider and discovering the Jewish Jesus, uh, for those who remain on the network, taking your calls, let's get into a discussion about why sometimes we as Christians need to take a look at the entire part of a law like this, a rule like this, and not just be so quick to jump on the religious discrimination track. Uh, that's the topic of conversation here, 800-227-5278. More of your calls in just a moment as the bottom line continues. <laughs> it is Everyone Wednesday, and because it's Wednesday, that means Todd Stickler's on the board. So, okay, how about it? Uh, Breaking rocks in the... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Where else are you going to hear the clash in Southern California, but on the bottom line show? Hey, the phones are open, 800-227-5278. I'm curious. I'm curious, make your best pitch either way for this Scottish worker. He's our brother in Christ. He's a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. He emigrated to Scotland. He's working there November 2019. He's hired by a company called Two Sisters Food Group. They're a chicken processing plant, and he gets hired to work on the assembly line. He eventually winds up becoming a quality inspector, and he's, this is all a rather uh, rapid rise in his um uh, pursuit of, uh, you know, job security and, you know, advancement, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden comes that knock on the door, you know, that call, can you stop by HR on your way after the end of your shift? You know, that cross you wear, you know, the one that's got the 30 small links in it. Oh yeah. They represent each day that this cross was being sanctified before my godchild's baptism into the Rus Russian Orthodox church. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Well, it goes against our policy 
here at the Two Sisters Company, and you're going to have to take it off. Well, uh, when the line manager told him to remove the net, the necklace, there had been no risk assessment whatsoever. And apparently the policy of the company was that a wedding ring was okay, single band, or some kind of religious piece, if it's important to you and your faith, regardless of the faith, we just have to do what we call a risk assessment. And then we'll determine whether or not uh, you're actually going to be allowed to keep wearing it. Well, our Christian brother, chose not to take off the necklace, uh, he said, well, quite frankly, they didn't do a risk assessment. So, you know, if you're not going to do a risk assessment, then you can't tell me to not wear it. That seems fair. Uh, what's interesting is the uh, the woman who was the line supervisor that said uh, she did not ask for a risk assessment because in her words, she was under the impression that, the, um, that they'd already done one. Well, okay, that's kind of cheesy. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, if you wanted to see whether or not that had been done, all you have to do is take a look at the public file, right? Or the file on the employee's record. Would there be something in HR that said, okay, we have this policy. You're not allowed to wear dangly earrings or dangly necklaces or this, that. The other thing, big watches that are rather loose and stuff like that. When you're at work and you're in a what we call a risk area, then we have to do a risk assessment of what you want to wear, but certain things just aren't going to fly. So it's possible that the necklace might have passed muster if they had done the risk assessment first. They didn't, and that's where things got a little dicey. Well, meanwhile, the company then decided that they were going to make it open season on this guy, and according to our brother, and again, the only reason I'm not mentioning his name is, quite frankly, I don't want to humiliate it. <laughs> Kovalikovs or something is his name. Um, he's Russian and his name has tons of consonants in it. You can go to the bottomlineshow.com. Tamara's posted the article there from our friends at Christian Headlines. You can read it there and you can, if you speak Russian, uh, good for you. I mean, I'd love to hear how to properly pronounce his name. But the question here is, you've got a Christian who wears a cross to work, works in an area where they have to do risk assessment about loose fitting jewelry. And the company has the right to say, you can wear it or you can't wear it. Now, to their credit, the company said, we'll take religious jewelry on a case-by-case basis. But where this got dicey for our uh, friend, Mr. Kovzlikov, is the fact that they initially told him, you have to take it off, and no one did a line assessment. So then when it went to the tribunal, they uh, basically, he brought this woman, uh, just identified as Ms. McCall, into the trial along with because basically she was the one who initially said take the necklace off and he didn't want to do it because she mistakenly thought that he had had a line assessment already or risk assessment on this she then uh found out that the issue was raised to her boss so eventually she went ahead and completed the risk assessment nevertheless in spite of the fact that the risk assessment had been done he was told he needed to take the necklace off. So he didn't take it off. He was sent to HR, and then he was terminated for not complying with the company's instructions. The panel noted that Mr. Kolokov's dismissal was based, quote, entirely on the fact that he did not declare the necklace during the induction course when he first joined the company. Could you see? <laughs> you know, was it Roman 7? 
where Paul talks about uh, keeping the law and breaking the law and anybody who or might, there's a passage in James that also pertains to this as well. Anyone who tries to uphold the law but stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Look at this. This this guy worked for this company for two months. And he was really good. Apparently, he was a really good employee. But here's what we have, right? What we've got is a guy who comes in and he's wearing the cross when he's being, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the, the, I, I want to say the uploading. Uh, onboarded. There we go. <laughs> we brought it to the company. And they explain all the different things that's going on. Apparently, the part about you can't wear a religious necklace in this high-risk area was not discussed, number one. Number two, he did not come forward and say, oh, by the way, I know what the company policy is, but I wear this necklace and I would like an exemption for this. Here's Louise Cowan was the employment judge who heard the case for the tribunal. And in the ruling, she said it was evident that it concluded that Mr. Koslovos had lost his job as a result of the discrimination towards him. Quote, his religion and the wearing of his necklace were of deep and profound meaning to him. And so she awarded him $26,000. Well, that's all very well and good. But my question is, it looks like we have an issue with um, just a lot of failed, what, what, what's the... Uh, the line from Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is failure to communicate. So what do you think? If you're the Christian in this case, and you wear a cross that's very important to you, I wear a cross that's very important to me, a lot of our listeners do, and this was going to be an issue, would you have handled it the way our brother did? They didn't say anything. I'm going to wear it. It's no big deal. There's high turnover here. Would you eventually go to court? I'm curious. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. Pat in La Mirada has a comment on this. Pat, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Thanks, Roger. Well, in 1973, on the fire department, I didn't see it, but um, on a Saturday, a drill press operator with long hair didn't mm -hmm. put his head up in a his hair up in a net, and somehow he got his hair caught in the drill press. Tore mm. half his scalp. Mm. So, wow. Would I stand up for righteousness' sake? No question. But I would win the case. But I'd take if it was dangerous. If it could uh, slit his throat, which things happen like this every day, mm -hmm. I would take the the the, the cross off and uh, keep my keep just keep my health because. Things happen every day because of small items. I don't know mm -hmm. what happened to the fellow, but I know half his scalp was torn off. And mm. uh, it ju you just need wisdom on on these issues because it is very dangerous, and and you can't go back and you can't go back and undo uh, uh, injury of that nature. So right. he was right, right, but so was the company also to protect their employees. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's well. That's a that's a heartbreaking story, Pat, and I'm glad I'm glad you shared it because uh, um, it's just it's sad. I mean, to think that something like that would happen, but at the same time, it's so important because you mentioned that in this case, you've got two sides of the of the coin, and both people are right, if you will. I mean, that's the yeah. uh, that's the that's the saddest part about it is it isn't about a question so much about who is right or what is right, but 
in this situation for us as Christians, I think it's really crucial that we look at the whole conversation and not just one part of it. Mm -hmm. Pat, hey, thanks so much for your call. Good to hear from you again. Good job, Rob. Thank you. Appreciate that. 800-227-5278. We'll take a break and come back with more of your calls. Um, What do you think about this Christian worker in Scotland? He lost his job. He says it was religious discrimination because he was wearing a cross that was had deep uh, sentimental value to him. It was a cross that was affiliated with uh, his godchild being uh, baptized into the Russian Orthodox Church. And when he wore it to work, all of a sudden he started getting grief for wearing it to work. Turns out there was an HR disaster here at this company in terms of having the cross, you know, have a religious symbol, jewelry worn in, you know, production areas where that might have been a health hazard to him and ultimately a big liability for the company. But what wound up happening is the uh, the, the Christian, our brother, uh, said, hey, we're in, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I've been discriminated against because of my religion. And um, that's not right. And he actually wound up winning in court. What do you think about uh, the way he handled this situation? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Bum, 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 bum. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Taking your calls today at 800-227-5278. It's an everyone Wednesday. Get it? I know uh, my grandmother used to say Wednesday as Wednesday. So that's where I just stuck in my head. And uh, we had a great call in for a number of people calling in for the Jerry Jenkins books on The Chosen. want to congratulate the winners here uh, who won those books. Um, Karen uh, in Elk Grove, one of our KCBC listeners, and also Guy in San Diego, uh, one of our San Diego K-Bright listeners, uh, are the winners of those two books. But everybody who calls in is going to win something. So 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Back to the topic at hand. A brother in Christ who's part of the Russian Orthodox Church who emigrated to Scotland and wound up getting a job at a food packing plant has won a religious discrimination suit against his employer because he says they wouldn't let him wear a cross and that was discriminatory because the cross has deep significance to him. Now, a judge of the tribunal agreed, but when you get to the nuts and bolts of the case, do some analysis, balance, and clarity, our discernment says, well, wait a minute, it sounds like both parties were at fault. But that's my question to you is, do you side with one side or the other? What's your take on this? 800-227-5278. Back to the phones we go. Is it Alan and Chula Vista? Alan, welcome to the bottom line. Hi, thank you, Roger. Uh, yeah, there's some issues here. I worked around machinery and, and industry most of my adult life, and there's some issues here. One of them is the company was right as far as dangling jewelry, mm-hmm. but there's also uh, on the employees' employees' part. If you look at where he came from, their safety standards in Russia are are very lacking, and he could have been able to figure this thing out for himself. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, yeah. If you're working around rotating machinery. Back when long hair was popular, they were asking people to either cut their hair shorter or wear a hairnet. Right. And the reason for that is that there actually been accidents where a person's hair got stuck in a rotating machinery and it just ripped out part of their scalp. Mm. I know it sounds gruesome, but those things happen. And also yeah. in his case, uh, as far as the jewelry hanging from his neck, uh, if if he got caught in rotating machinery, it's not probably it, it may break the necklace. But if it doesn't, it's going to rotate the machinery, which is probably mm-hmm. worse than, you know, than yeah. anything. 
So there's Boy, that some is... issues here as far as uh, thinking on the employees' part. Anybody in the United States that's worked around industry or machinery uh, can pretty much figure this out for himself because mm-hmm. company regulations uh, will train you and remind you. And then if you go to even if you go to another company, you're, you're aware of, of those risks, and you know you always wear safety glasses and so forth. So. Uh, he, he probably needs to reorient his, or, orient his thinking towards safety standards in the United States. Or, yeah. Well, that, or, sorry, he's in Scotland. Yeah, that, in that case, so, in Scotland. And, and Alan, that's a great point that you bring up about the fact that if he's coming from Russia, and he's still part of a Russian Orthodox Church, so this is you know kind of the mother country and the mother tongue, for him to come in there, he wouldn't... My first thought was, well, why wouldn't he ask? I mean, in the orientation... I get it. I mean, sometimes if you're working a job like that, that might have high turnover and they're just so happy to have somebody, they're going to say, okay, good. You're here. You have a pulse. You can run the machine. You start. I mean, I I don't don't want to oversimplify it, but I can imagine that in some industries it does work like that. But in this case, for him to get the job, start moving up. And then even his line supervisor, when she found out afterwards, she said, hey, look, I'm pulling you off the line because you won't take the cross off. She didn't realize they had not done the risk assessment. So this just seems like a colossal failure on both sides of the equation. Cultural problem with him not knowing the customs in Scotland versus Russia. But then the company whiffed on a lot of different levels before we even got to religious discrimination, it sounds like. Well, let me mention one more thing. They shouldn't have to have done a risk assessment. The line manager should have recognized that for herself and seen the dangling cross and been able to assess that for herself. Mm-hmm. So um, you're getting into the bureaucracy of a company wherever it's at. Yeah. Um, you know, going to a risk risk assessment, the policy says anything dangling can, can get caught into, into machinery is a risk, and the employee should yeah. have figured it out and the line manager also. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a whiff on both sides. Say, hey, Alan, thank you so much for your call. Good to hear from you, and I really appreciate your insights today. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. Everyone wins day here on The Bottom Line Show, so that means that in addition to getting to be part of the conversation here, you're going to win something. So uh, Teresa's got a prize waiting for you, and that's between you and Teresa. So I'll let you guys figure that out. Back to the phones now, Dave at Garden Grove. Dave, welcome to The Bottom Line. Yeah, uh, well, over and beyond the safety concerns, which I think have been adequately covered so far, I note that Jesus never wore a cross, though he was on one. His disciples never wore a cross, or at least there's no record of any of them having done so. And if a person happens to have committed some faux pas, and he's wearing one of these things, then it might be attached to him as being a hypocrite, doing so, right or wrong. Um. And if, a, if, a, if somebody like him is forced to leave the company for whatever reason, um, I don't think I would take it to court either, because one never knows if there's some employee left in the company that he still might have had good relations with, and taking it to court might sour that, that, last, that last relationship, even if he doesn't actually have contact with that other individual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a, those are very well taken points, Dave. Thanks so much for your call and for making them. I was thinking as I was reading this story, uh, having worn crosses myself, as a matter of fact, if you're watching, I'll do this, um, not getting risque here on our Zoom part of the camera. Tamara will be thrilled, but this is a cross that uh, Lisa gave me for our wedding, and I, I cherish it, and I feel like I've always worn it, which is, that's a whole separate conversation, same with the wedding ring. But I've never worked at this type of job before. I mean, uh, the radio station, television station, 
you can pretty much wear any kind of jewelry you want to. And as long as it doesn't get in the way of the microphone or the headphones or whatever, you're good to go. Um, the idea, you know, to Dave's point about Jesus, the disciples not wearing crosses, other than the fact that Jesus hung on one, um, the cross, let, let's not forget, the cross was a symbol of execution, okay? that We think of them as, oh, yeah, you're a Christian, and that's really cool. But for, for us to walk around, can you imagine people walking around during the French Revolution with a guillotine around their neck? I mean, <laughs> just, hey, it's Bastille Day. Everyone get your guillotine. No, no one's doing that. I mean, because in Jesus' day, the cross was the worst most horrific form of death. It was the most humiliating. It was the most painful. It was just, it was an awful uh, situation to be in. And so that's part of the reason why Rome said, this is what we're doing. We want to make an example of you. And so the fact that we wear them now really is kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an act of defiance, as it were. It's become a whole industry of people who like to wear nice jewelry, but it really has become an act of defiance against sin and death. Your cross is telling people, I've been washed with the blood of the Lamb. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. And this is my declaration. And it may come to the point where you start to see more and more people going for, say, a cross tattoo, for example, than even wearing one. Because if we get to the point where the persecution gets so tough that it's illegal to wear a cross or, you know, they just get taken away and stolen from you because of, you know, some, uh, some new law that's passed by woke American politicians, then the cross takes on even more significance. But to the point that have been made, the points that have been made so far, um, if there's a cultural issue and a cultural divide here and a lack of understanding, then quite frankly, I, you know, I could see where we as Christians would, our American brains would say, religious discrimination, hire an attorney, go to court, let's win, let's stand up for our faith. But maybe in this case, there's a better way to do this. We're still taking your calls if you want to comment on the uh, Scottish worker, the Russian worker in Scotland who won a $26,000 lawsuit against his former company. He says he was fired because of religious discrimination and the court agreed. But is there a most excellent way? Putting our, our Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 hat. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number that gets you through to the bottom line. Real estate broker Brian Edgel is the smart choice when it comes to finding someone to list and sell your home. He will get you the top dollar for your home, ensuring the fair and timely sale of your most important asset. The most expensive part of selling your home is the commission you pay to your broker. With Brian Edgel, you pay only 2.9% total commission. Right now, there are more buyers than sellers on the market, which puts you at an advantage. Get the most money out of your property now while the market is in your favor. Brian negotiates with buyers for you using his experience as a broker, not an agent, to get you the highest price and the most advantageous terms possible. Make the smart choice. Sell your home with real estate broker Brian Edgel for only 2.9% total commission. Call Brian today at 800-969-3992. That's 800-969-3992. Or go to smartchoicehomeseller.com. Brian Edgel, DRE 01391126, NMLS 1599100. You know, with the market being what it is right now, yeah, they're going through a course correction, so prices are down a bit, and it costs a lot more to get the money. But not everybody's going to need a mortgage, and for some people, money is still no object. You want to contact Brian Edgel at smartchoicehomeseller.com right now. Find out what the value of your home is in the current market. That's smartchoicehomeseller.com. 
Do something productive with your money over the next three years. Invest in Dennis Wilson's real estate-backed 6% CD alternative. You know, with the current administration, you've got three things that you can do. You can stay in the market for the next three years and watch your account go up and down and see what happens. Option two is take your money, put it in the money market, hold on to it, and hope that the Fed raises interest rates. Or number three, you can put your money into our exclusive 6% account. You've got your money safe and sound in a hard asset over the next three years. At the end of three years, you evaluate where you want to be. You want to try the market, you go back. You want to put it into a CD, you go back. Or you just want to reinvest for another three years at 6%. But in the interim, you have made 6% for three years instead of zero. Instead of riding the up and down elevator of the market or leaving your money in the bank earning nothing, you can earn 6% over the next three years guaranteed with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 for simply better alternatives. Wow. Wow. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. If you want to wear a cross, you can probably play in Steely Dan. Uh, (laughs) 800-227-5278, but you can't work at the Two Sisters food processing plant in Scotland um, because they have, well, they've recently lost a case. In the case of our Christian brother, who wore the cross and says he was fired because of religious discrimination. It's important to note a couple of key cases, key points in the case that we'll get to on the other side of this. First, I want to get Scott in Los Angeles uh, on the line here because we only have a couple minutes left in the program. Scott in Los Angeles, welcome to the Bottom Line Show today. Hello, sir. How are you today? Doing great, Scott. I got about 60 seconds for your comment, but I'd love to hear it. Okay, uh, real quick. When I first got married, I had a wedding ring. It was great. Um, I almost got my finger um, caught in doing some construction and almost lost my whole arm. Um, I've seen people who've had loose clothing get caught in a lathe and get their head Mm -hmm. cut off. Mm. Um, It's just a a total disaster on any machinery to not have everything off or Mm -hmm. clothing. It's just unsafe. Yeah. And so, and so even as a Christian guy, you're saying, Hey, look, if they said, take the ring off or whatever, I'm going to do it because of the safety. Take it off. Take it off. It's safe. And sorry, you can believe whatever you want, but if you want to wear a hat, they won't let you wear the hat. Get another job. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point, Scott. Well, thank you so much for those thoughts. And I think it it echoes the sentiment I wanted to share here as we conclude. Um, As Christians, obviously, we live in a country and we live in a world where a lot of countries have rights. This is Scotland we're talking about, where people have rights to share their faith. And we should be bold in sharing our Christian faith. There's no question about it. But does that boldness limit us to say, well, I'm going to be bold and wear an I Love Jesus t-shirt? Or I'm going to have a tattoo that I want in full display or or some. Well, OK, that's a little bit bolder when it becomes a safety hazard, though. You really have to take into account something. Our brother in Christ was Russian by birth and working in Scotland. And you heard one of our callers, Alan, say, hey, look, you know, I know what the Russian laws are. They're very lax when it comes to their uh, you know safety requirements, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the fact that this guy was wearing a cross and we don't know how long the chain was. Uh, could it be tucked under his shirt? Would it become a safety hazard? Well, the company did have a, they had a rule that said, if you're working in one of the high risk areas that they have determined as high risk, then you can't wear any dangly jewelry unless there's a religious component and then you need an exemption, but we have to do a risk assessment. And I would think any Christian 
would say, fine, let's go ahead and do it. Let's see, what is it a ring? Is it, I mean, Scott just called and said, so he almost lost his arm because of a wedding ring. You got to be careful. One of the best witnesses we can have for our faith is our willingness to say, look, my faith is my Jesus Christ living in my heart, first and foremost. The crosses are nice. The rings are nice. The Jesus jewelry is, is nice. It, it's, it's great to be able to share a witness that way. But when it comes to being a good employee, I want to be the guy who says, okay, do we have an issue here with this? It should have been explained when he was first hired. It sounds like it was not. The company should have been more, uh, done a better job explaining why he couldn't wear the cross. They didn't do that. By the time they did the risk assessment, all of a sudden he's thinking, I'm going to get fired. And this is because I'm a Christian. I think he was fired because he was not so much because he was a Christian, but because he was violating their health procedures when it comes to wearing dangly jewelry. I don't want anybody to ever, I mean, let's face it, when it comes to preaching the gospel and living out our faith in Christ, the gospel is offensive to those who are perishing. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But when you first met Christ and found out about how bad your sin was and your need for a savior, your first thought wasn't, well, yeah, you're right. I knew that all along. Usually it's, hey, wait a minute, it's indignation. But when it comes to being a good witness, uh, the cross is going to be offensive, but I don't want to be the offensive person that keeps people from seeing Jesus just because I won't get out of my own way. That's the bottom line.